0: Has anyone ever told you that you speak really good English for an Indian?
1: Do you fake your accent or do you make fun of your friends who fake accent?
0: Are you funnier around people from your own culture as compared to others? Or are you feeling the serious pressure to get one Gora to your brother's wedding? (laughs) podcast where we give our feelings, opinions, and advice to 20-somethings everywhere. I'm your host, Krithvi Mehti. And this is Mahima. And uh, today we're tapping into a very vulnerable side uh, of our experiences that I honestly did not expect to talk on the podcast so soon. Uh, But we were actually having a conversation with Ragvi, our younger sister, marketing manager and general light of our lives. And uh, she has moved to London recently. She's been working at Amazon and she's our cool little Gen Z kid. According to Mahima, she's one of the coolest people she knows. So (laughs) she's a pretty cool kid and uh she was she called we were talking on one sunday and she called us and she's like you know uh, i i realized something this week in office that i'm very funny uh, i'm funny i'm interesting but i'm only funny around people that are indian when i realize in front of my colleagues i'm 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 somehow trying too hard or i don't feel like i can i can fully be myself and i'm not truly able to understand why and that actually got me and Mahima really thinking because both of us have lived outside of India for a considerable amount of time. Mahima and I met in college where we spent four years in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, West Lafayette, completely red state and then Mahima moved to Belgium. So we've had our fair share of experiences with people of color, white people across the world. And to be honest, navigating interrelation, interracial relationships and friendships has been pretty difficult, if not uh, complicated. So we wanted to take this episode to to really dig deep into why that happens and how we can move forward from it. And I must admit, I'm notorious for faking my accent here and there, which interestingly, I have thought up about a lot, you know, especially if I'm a few drinks down. And this only happens in America. When I'm in India, it never happens. But even in <laughs> America, when I'm just around Indian people, sometimes this wannabe accent comes out of me, which I don't understand why, you know. And I've been made a lot of fun of and I've really sat down with myself thinking, like that's cheap. Like, you know, why why would you want to do that? So Today, that's why I, I you know, we, we preface by saying this is a very vulnerable conversation and I might, I must admit that it may not be relatable 100% to you, you may have some really, really good uh, international friends, you may have some really, really good American friends, but in this episode, I feel we will cover certain topics that apply to international or people, uh, students of people of color everywhere. Um, so today in this episode, we are unpacking the fake accents that we love to make so much fun of. Uh, you know, really decode where they come from. We want to talk about why do Indians stick to each other? You know, <laughs> so much so that I have a gr- group chat, maima, It's literally called US. Jaake Indian dost Panai. Like that's how much we know. It's looked down upon. Like our friends back in India will always be like, Oh, tere Gorak dosnai hai. Like it, it's 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 a thing. Like a thing that you want to achieve when you go out, right? And so uh, you know, uh, also tapping into why Ragvi felt pressurized uh, in, in being herself in front of other people. Um, and, and I think for me, a very important question is the need to impress Americans, especially white Americans. Uh, and interestingly, it's not just our own experiences that aligned with this. It's research also, which I will give to Mahima. Kiko, science yeah, so, yeah,
1: so, so the crazy thing is that when, when, once we started doing more research on this episode, we were like, oh shit, this is this not like a personal experience of me or my friend or something. So there was a study done by the national communication association society which estimated about 40% of foreign students in America do not have close friends, close American friends. That's crazy. uh, Yeah, that's crazy because India, like uh, we both went to Purdue and that is basically 50% Indians. It was literally, you could hear Channam area in Chauncey Square at any given time, you know, it was like, so it's just just such a crazy fact that uh, international students make such a big backbone, like economical backbone of America And 40% of them do not really feel close to having any American friends.
0: Yeah. And I also saw another study. I can't remember where it was from, but I'll quote it in the description that even the people that made international or sorry, American friends or, uh, you know, friends outside their culture in their first year, by the fourth year, that friendship had dwindled down or it had just faded away. So close friendships, like you said, did not last that long, even if they existed that long. And this is a Mm very interesting thing to me because, you know, we are in 2023 we're all completely quote unquote globalized and when we were coming to college there's this image that you see right like Garden May there are like seven people sitting of completely different races and everyone's like having this little picnic and talking to each other. I would say it happened for some people but I would say it did not happen for most people so interestingly this this uh disconnect between people of color and white people and other type of races is is very very uh apparent in in our society and so for
1: my personal experience my first few years i joined sorority there were most of the girls were americans i think probably 90 percent of the girls were american i think it was me and my another friend Zena who was turkish and by the end of that whole sorority experience the only friend I have from that time is also another international person <laughs> and I do not think I live with those girls but I'm not in contact with anyone and by the time I graduated college I just personally like being around Indians
0: yeah um yeah so I think in, in in its entirety this episode talks about how to navigate these interracial relationships uh dig deep as to why these biases come and also really figure out where Khritvi's fake accent comes from once and for all
1: So let me make you feel a little better, Kishi, uh, because it's you just, you know, practicing subconsciously something called code switching. And I would like to read by the definition of definition of Harvard Business Review, people of color switching or alternating language dialects to successfully navigate interracial interactions and has large implication for their well-being, economical advances and even physical survival. And this is basically optimizing the comfort of others, the people, the community you're interacting with in exchange for fair treatment,
0: which is just something we've been subconsciously, you know, conditioned to do. I think Maima what you said in the end really resonates with me, you know, optimizing comfort of others in exchange for fair treatment as a communication student, because at the end of the day, the core reason people communicate is for other people to like you're learning Dutch right now. Why? So your Dutch colleagues can understand you better, you know, you're able to communicate them without those barriers that exist. And a lot of times I feel like, um, uh, from white people or you know the, the the race that is in majority or the cabolteus usko I don't know what the politically correct word is, guys, please. I apologize. But there's you know the the, the race in power, I guess, in, in in some sense defines how you communicate to them. Okay. For example, when I'm in America, sometimes if I'm talking normally or if I'm giving my name, I'm always met with a huh, huh? What did you say? And I don't have that thick of an accent. So much so that I want to give you a quick example of a classroom experience that I had in a fucking university, like University of Southern California. It was a classroom of like 150 people. Okay. And I was supposed to come in front of class and give instructions for some sort of activity that we were doing in class. So I went and I'm giving like my instructions. I read them out and trust me this time I wasn't quote unquote faking my accent, but I was talking exactly like how I am talking right now, because this is how I normally talk. I would say most people in India also talk like this. And my professor was trying to give uh a rundown on communication right after i uh, i finished speaking and he said something so crazy he's like you know Krithi explained you the uh the um what's the word the black yeah. experiment the experiment sorry Krithi explained the the thing you need to do but if she had explained it in her Indian accent then you probably wouldn't have understood her completely which would have hindered your ability to, uh, uh, you know, to follow the instructions that she gave. And I just sat there for a second. I'm like, this is my Indian accent, you know, like. And and for me, in that moment, that professor told 150 people that when Indian people speak, you will find it hard for them to, for you, uh, you will find it hard to understand them. And these are the small little things that we experience in life that stay in our brains and manifest into different cultural biases as we, you know, talk to our colleagues, as we talk to our friends, as we talk to other people that are not from the same race as us. So it was absolutely insane to me. But anyway, Mahima, to go back to code switching, I'm I coming,
1: bringing it back a little bit to a little bit closer to home. Uh, recently, we saw that uh, junior NTR one and uh, uh, what was the name of the other guy? Ramcharan. Uh, the Ram Charan, they won Golden Globe for Natu Natu song and okay, fine. I get it. The song wasn't the best we have in India for whatever reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, During the speech, I think uh, junior NTR rolled his tongue and he tried to uh, communicate in American accent and instead of focusing on him winning uh, Golden Globe, the Twitter and Instagram, all social media was full of just giving him a lot of shit. Or, yeah, the trolls are like going crazy. Oh my God, uh I went to America once and you're know, rolling an accident and stuff. Which if you just think about it, was his way of code switching. So that now that he had a platform so big that so many people around the world can see him, they can understand him simply better. Yeah, And I think it was very, um, we tend to have something called crab mentality, which is basically an analogy where uh, crabs, which they, when they're put in a bucket, and one crab tries to, uh, escape the bucket. Uh, the other one pulls it down, you know, and we see this a lot. And this, this, this is where I think we need to question that where the code switching is coming from and how it is related to, especially in context of India, because I think it really roots in crab mentality,
0: right? So we wanted to take a couple of minutes to You know highlight our experiences illustrate certain things that we've seen happen around us because like I said we think that this is a very sensitive but important topic to talk about so in part two and part three so we've sorry so we've divided this episode in two more parts in part two we really dig deep into the conditioning and crab crab mentality of Indian people to really decode where all of these things are coming from and in part three of course we give you solutions on how we can actually culturally assimilate in positive ways that, you know, create long lasting relationships and friendships where we feel comfortable, respected. Um, and I don't need to fake my accent anymore. (laughs) So, okay. And I want to start with a really, Small story, I don't think you know this, but I have two beautiful nieces, Madhvi and Nandini. They are really tiny. Uh, I think they're four and six years of age, obsessed with Peppa Pig and obsessed with me. So I was babysitting them one day and they were hanging out in my room and they have all of those, you know, their little dinosaur, little figurines and they're playing. They're doing their whole pretend play and everything. And I was noticing them. Okay. And they're talking, they're talking, they're doing their pretend play and everything. Madhvi said a few sentences and then she suddenly said, "Oh, sorry. And I was like, what happened? And she was like, nothing, nothing. And then she started the game again, but in a British accent, okay? And it was like completely bizarre to me. I was like, wait, what? So she literally stopped her game, went back, restarted it because she wanted to speak in a British accent and she's six, year, six years old. So obviously she's not making these connections in her brain, but as a communications and media student who understands how media affects us on a daily basis. I was like, wait, This girl is watching completely British and American shows. She is listening to language from the lens of American and British people. And she is from this very age, you know, internalizing that this is the way to talk. This is how you're supposed to behave or this is the right way to talk in English. And I obviously couldn't stop her because I can't stop her from watching all of those shows. And it made me think about me and about where my uh, biases and my accent and all of this, you know, discomfort stems mm-hmm. from, and I realized when we were growing up, Disney was very new in India. I think Love, Ragvi Radhika was still pretty young. They were like younger than 10. I was like 11ish years of age. When Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, Hannah Montana, all of these. And that's a Raven.
1: That's yep, Raven, Wizards
0: yeah. of Waverly Place. And I know every single Indian person listening to this podcast right now can relate to the fact that looking at those shows, we all thought. America was the baddest bitch in town. Okay, like America is the place to be like girls are wearing whatever they want. Like they can kiss boys are coming over to these, you know, parents' house and everything is okay. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: So just how Madhavi was experiencing that at six years of age, I experienced that a cultural window at 11, 12 years of age where I am of course very impressionable. So obviously in that time, I wasn't thinking about my accent or anything. And, and let me just uh, clarify here guys accent is just our getaway uh, behavior um, to explain this whole episode. That's not the focus of this episode, but it's just that anchor that is helping us explain a lot of things. But anyway, I started to realize that This is where my idea of cool Americans come from and this is why I felt discomfort as I grew up as I was exposed to more, um, uh, you know, diverse situations at Purdue or at USC, where I felt this need to quote unquote, impress white people to impress people of color impress Americans because I want them to see me as cool, because I am associating them with the coolness that I was brought up with. And that is where conditioning comes in. Okay, I think, um, there are so many definitions for conditioning, but it's just internalized beliefs. That is it. It is just something that you have internalized in your subconscious so much that it's very difficult to separate it consciously, which is what happened with me. world coach. Sorry. So, so 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 media, entertainment, sorry. So media is one of the biggest sources of conditioning that we have like you see that in India right now all the news that our grandparents are seeing they are conditioned to believe that Hindu people are at you know uh, uh, um, they are at um, what's the fuck why can't I do English risk risk? they are at risk risk. (laughs) they are at risk but the majority the ruling majority of the country is at risk and they truly believe that because they are conditioned to believe that. So I really believe aims, at least for me, and it, I think for most people, a lot of these feelings come from this sort of cultural conditioning, which uh, may manifest in different ways. But yeah, yeah, and I, I think I want to now like
1: piggybacking on what you just said, uh, I feel like we are conditioned. It's because of this whole, you know, how you're told about Mahdi being thinking British accent is superior. I think it it runs deeper than that. And and like, think about it, Indian as a community, like Indians as a community is just, we're just conditioned in so many ways. Like, you know, fairness creams, you know, because you're white color. It's just, just so dramatic, romanticized uh, that I, from my personal experience, when I moved to Belgium and my really, really good friend, uh, who's Flemish, Belgian, uh, she would introduce me to her Flemish friends. She would initially say something like, oh, this is Mahima. She's from India, but she's not a typical Indian that you know. And mm-hmm. for a good split second, I would feel good about it because of the conditioning that we've been doing since, you know, like trying harder to fit into having more white friends and just not being that typical upu Indian that, you know, is shown on televisions and stuff. And um, initially, when I would feel good about it, but, but this... After the split second, I would be like, no, like, uh, it is actually not something to be happy about because I have grown up the type of life I live, the choices I make, things I do, it's very actually similar to so many opinions around me, you know, all my single friends, people I know, people, friends, friends, I know. So this whole stereotypical idea that has been shown to the world is, is where I think the conditioning is so deep rooted and we are on the receiving end of this, um, um, we are on the cons of code switching. Right. Is, I think that, that
0: is very interesting. I think, Maimah, you have mentioned to me once that, you know, so many people compliment you for looking Mexican or Moroccan or European, especially in Belgium. I, I want to mention
1: I went on a date and the guy, oh yeah, like this. I, oh yeah. So, you know, another thing is that so many times I've been told that I don't look like an Indian when I go out on dates. And one guy actually asked me do you even identify yourself as an Indian and I'm like why he's like because of the lifestyle choices you have you're not a very timid girl that like, uh, you know like um t- typical Indians are supposed to be and uh you're pretty independent and blah, blah 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 and I said I mean that is such a sad but narrow and sad yeah. but real very very real opinion of
0: Indians in the world correct and what you said was very interesting to me because like you said it's not just how other people view us it's also about how we view ourselves and touching on the fairness aspect it has happened with me too you know when people tell you oh badi, gori hai, gori hai. when i was a kid i thought this is something i'm supposed to be happy about and as i grow older i have to force myself to detach myself from that quote-unquote identity being gora is not indian and being gora has nothing to do with you as a person but that colorism is so internalized within us and i must mention right now that North Indians, especially we are so fucking racist, like, you know, we are so racist toward Indian people also within our own Indian community. I can tell, like, I can think of at least 10 people right now who have made fun of South Indians accents who have made fun of how sometimes, you know, uh Northeast Indians would dress chinky chinky johterete uh Assamese logo ko, ya Northeast these are all things that we practice ourselves and you know it's interesting that when we are put in that position in in a global world we feel uncomfortable and then it forces you to think how these things are happening. Up you know and and are going to be able So I think uh uh I, I, Kishan, I would like to really add on that that I just, I just don't think
1: like within okay, Indian community, if you look at the global scale, like recently I went on a dinner with uh, four of my different uh, colleagues and one of them, so on the table, there was one Indian, me, one Belgian, one Romanian, and one Bulgarian. Although Bulgarian, Romanian, and Belgium, those are all parts of Europe, um, I was told by my Romanian very much white looking friend that when she moved to Belgium, she was initially hesitant to tell people that she's from Romania. And the same experience comes from uh, my Bulgarian colleague and my Turkish friend. Like she, she would tell people she's from Bulgaria. You know, like the levels of it. Like you know how yeah, the world is, yeah, correct
0: yeah. And of course,
1: like of course, like the, this all really comes from how the world has been, the world orders we have seen in the past, and you know for thousands of years. Of course, uh, most of the white commun- communities or like countries. Were the people who would go and rule over people of color. So, so I think this has been, it's really sad that it's 2023 and we still see this.
0: You know, Meema, you're right. Like, you know, it really stems from history and just how we are conditioned to believe, you know, into believing that white people are better. I assume that they are also conditioned to believe that they are better. And I would say I don't blame them 100% I blame them for ignorance in this day and age like you said but I don't blame them 100% because if you and I are not able to you know break through that conditioning imagine the person who thinks he's the king of the world why would they want to break through that conditioning but what happens is that as people of color we experience these tiny 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 microaggressions that in individuality may mean nothing. But when it all comes together, they make you feel small and then it manifests you not wanting to be friends with Americans or white people because you don't want to feel small, even if they don't quote unquote mean to make you feel small. And there are a lot of these microaggressions, you know, all my Asian friends, none of them use their Asian name anymore. And I understand that it's difficult. Their names are tough but if we can pronounce like croissant and like you know hors d'oeuvre i don't even know how to pronounce that h o r s d e v o u r s whatever nice. if you can whatever you can pronounce all this french fucking stuff but you're not choo- you're not choosing to pronounce this asian stuff is because you don't see the value in learning that person's name but you see value in learning about this fancy french dish that will make you yourself feel cool so what i mean to say is that while I don't want to blame white people 100% these microaggressions like the Starbucks person always writing my name wrong or, you know, the Uber people always getting excited that, Oh, you're from India and you speak such good English. So these little, little things. My all...
1: brother officially kept officially name as a mother-in-law. He did the uh, name of the surgeon and all. He called the pastor, my brother went to America. He called we for 10 Why? Because Americans cannot pronounce their Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm so that's just crazy like you know he's he's like no we sounds cooler also you know like when my American friends call me like I feel like much cooler his name was given to him by his frat friend like his frat brothers so since then he's never really shed that story he's never even tried to correct someone to say it well so
0: imagine how crazy it is that we are more comfortable in shedding our identity to make lives of privileged people even more easier than take the effort into maintaining our identity because we are scared of being judged We are scared of scared of being, you know, uh, discriminated against. To be honest, I told you what happened at Trader Joe's with me and I'll tell you in a really short way. Okay. I was in line standing one feet away from this guy who's not wearing a mask, nothing. He just shuffled when he saw me. Okay. And I didn't do, I was like, whatever, I ignored it. I walked one step further because he was about to go one step further to go to the next cashier. And he turns around, looks me straight in my eye and says, can you like stand a bit away from me? You're too close to me. And I just, you know, like froze in that place for a second. Now, maybe I stank that day and he could like, you know, he just wanted me to be away. But in that moment, I 100% knew as a person of color that on some level, he's discriminating against me. Even if he wasn't, that's how my, that's how strong my feeling was. So my past experiences must have must have put me into this position somehow, you know. And, if, and if I your think not Uh, sorry and I think it's just not your past
1: experience it's I think it's what we see in the media right news every day some racial like it's very much evident out that's not something we are making up or gaslighting ourselves with we have good
0: data out you know which really really indicates how much it still exists yeah and and while me and Mahima can't combat the ignorance of the world and I I accept that, you know, me and her might also be ignorant about a lot of things that we are not aware of, but I think We can all say that as minorities as people of color we are more open to learning things about different cultures as opposed to the privileged race in that society and i think that really really needs to change so if you are if you are someone who has white friends or who has more international friends i'm sure you're already making them understand what india is for what india is we are a country of like what 1.4 billion people there is no way there is no typical indian every indian is so fucking different that i hope that we are able to reach a point where we are you know, ha- like proud of our identity and not just from a big fat Indian wedding perspective or a Bollywood yeah. perspective, but in a very holistic perspective.
1: Yeah. And I remember, Kishi, one time you were telling me uh, about this experience where you had like, like, you told me that you made the slides for, for about India in a communication class. And in those 10 slides, you explained India better than those 50 people in the class ever knew about it, you know. And, uh,
0: th- 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 that was a really good presentation and I'm going to try and pull it up and put it on YouTube if you guys are watching on YouTube. But in a sense, that presentation was 10 memes made by, pro- probably made by like it- American people. I, d- I wouldn't call them just white people, but very, very funny and ignorant memes about, you know, train miss school jana and, like, <laughs> and like all that kind of crap. And in that entire class for the whole semester every presentation that I gave I was like I'm going to talk about India and those kids I'm not joking towards the end they came and thanked me every I was the only brown person in that class anyway, but every single white person came to me towards the end and they wrote in my peer review that we never saw India this way because as much as we are conditioned by our media they are conditioned by their media so all they are seeing about India. Is is all the dirt and all the poverty, and all of the oh, they only want to feel sorry for us, and they think, hum log, se aate, Third World country, and they had like this is the reason Slumdog Millionaire became so
1: big, it so and positive. like, God, like because they, they were selling poverty, they were selling, exactly. and that's what they, yeah, that movie got Oscar. Okay, yeah, fine, it was an okay story and good acting, but it was really selling poverty of India, which really made a lot of non Indians happy, and like, exactly. oh wow, my god. But there's which like is fucking why, car on
0: the road. Which, and that's why I feel so bad about Indian strolling. Whether you liked the movie or didn't like the movie or you hated the movie, because of that one grand movie. Americans are looking at India in such a different way and not in a way that oh look at cool but they're actually able to experience our culture our grandioseness you know our opulence in a manner that they had never done before my mom not joking RRR is still playing in American theaters Rajmori just came last week it was completely sold out with white people Sairam went and watched it and he said it was just white people and they were having a bloody ball it went viral in Japan that's how That's how much of a cultural impact that movie had. So as an Indian who knows how, you know, people look at us, this group of artists have tried to establish and carve, you know, this image of India on a global stage. And you're going to make fun of him for rolling a bloody R? Like, fuck you, you know, that's what bothers me. But anyway, I think uh, we've we've bashed Americans and white people enough. Hopefully you understand that that wasn't the objective. But it's honest, you know, uh, I, I, I do have a few white friends. I love them dearly, but I'm able to say these things to them on their face also. And they understand. And I think that is a very telling about the kind of people that they that they yeah. are. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I
1: think like uh, I hope from this podcast, uh, what we really, really want the main takeaway to be is that it's just important to be aware and talk about these things, because tying back to our sister, Ravi who came up to us with this idea about code switching when when she said it out loud and we discussed it we discussed about the extent the past and you know how you know the ways she can deal with it she actually went to work next day and she was like actually just by talking about it and being aware of it and bringing it into my conscious mind i feel much more comfortable to be myself yeah just because i had these conversations so i think the whole idea to talk about the conditioning and the crab mentality is to basically just start the conversation. Yeah.
0: It's like opening a can of worms, you know, this is not an all exhaustive uh, summary of every international person's experience, you know, but I feel like just opening that little window making forcing ourselves to, to tackle these sensitive topics, which we are scared to talk about because we are fearful that they can be offensive because we are fearful that they will not be understood. Uh, Hopefully we have, we have been able to do that for you. So, um, yeah, and also because we are two incredible internet (laughs) waiting to give you some advice, uh, while talking about these things are important and I do agree that for Ragvi, just understanding uh, this was enough to break through these type of walls that she had built for herself. Literally she came back and she's like, ko jokes i jokes, mujhe." Which is like just imagine like this is a 30-40 minute podcast, a five minute conversation with her, changed mm-hmm. it for her but uh we and
1: wanna... like, yeah, this elevated her like now just because she talked about it, it it's going to elevate her experience of being and working for that company and yeah. just just being just experience of just being you know like once you really really consciously look into these things your experience of being and all these like thoughts which are you know like thoughts are not thousands of thoughts you think in your head are not true just yeah. to be able to invalidate them and not internal internal and not internalize i think that's just the first step towards dealing with, uh, this sort of environment we live in? I don't know.
0: Absolutely. And so for our last and final section, we want to give you four very, very actionable steps, uh, that will help you navigate these, you know, international relationships and conversations, whether they be with your, you know, college friends, whether they be with your colleagues, whether they be, be with, you know, Anybody that you interact with on a global scale. Um, and I want to just tell you something that Mahima came up with these tips. Okay. Mahima comes up with these three really cool tips. And I'm like, wow, Mahima, so And then I was like, hey, nah, nah, research. Bhi hai. What does the internet say? The American Psychological Association had the same tips that Mahima did. Okay. Mahima is truly science. Ki taraf se, clapping for Mahima
1: the crazy part is that when i was doing the research for the podcast i when i wrote these things i really came up with these answers from my really personal experiences because i have really lived in all these very very different uh culture co- like countries and contexts you know like it's been so much of culture overload for me and how did i navigate you know so uh when i saw that oh uh american psychology association validates my what i wrote like i was like which please i know i mean, exactly
0: so this is more of a reason for you guys to follow all of this okay but in 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 part one we spoke about code switching in part two we spoke about where code switching and the crab mentality comes from but in part three we want to give you those three or four actionable steps that help you navigate these relationships conversations in whatever context you may be whether it's in your school colleges colleagues workplaces whatever um okay Mahima let's take it away
1: okay so uh so thank you for sticking till the third part of uh, the code switching episode and uh, i think this was my the, the, uh, the most the segment i was most looking forward to talking about because i'm a very you know how to fix things kind of a person uh, so uh you know what like it makes me think like why should we even make culture friendships in the first place and i think from my personal experience Yes, you live in a very, very diverse world, especially if you're like Kriti said, living outside of your country. But I also really think just being able to make these relationships with people from different culture just opens up your mind so much. It's just like firing of neuroplasticity, making so many because you might be born and you might be living in a bubble, and once you try to break out of that bubble, knowing that so many different other things that you can experience, I think this this. This is where I think it's really, really important to learn and embrace this sort of interculture intelligence. Yeah. So uh, the first step is uh, recognizing that this happens. When you really, you know, consciously try to bring your autopilot to end and that all these patterns that you've been repeating for years and years because of the conditioning, I think uh, just recognizing takes away half of your relief you know, like how uh, Ravi did it, you know, just just talking about it and just like educating yourself on it is the first most integral step. And you know, just being curious, I think every time you look at culture in general, you should come from a very, like a curious um, point of view, like curious mindset towards other different cultures. And so once you're curious about other cultures, and you're trying to navigate with someone from other race, some other culture, I think For me, one thing that has really really helped is make a Venn diagram in my head and what that is that like, you know, instead of me trying to act uh, in a certain way to impress someone else, I would rather see what is, what is the point of commonality between my culture and that person's Mm -hmm. culture. For Mm -hmm. example, living in Belgium, I thought like these people are supposed to be completely from different world than India. But I've actually honestly been able to make such really good friends because I try to find like some similar jokes in the culture or some sort of similar behaviors in our culture or some like, you know, the common area between the Venn diagram. And once you break that ice that, you know, we are not really that different, you start to get dig deeper more into how, um, how much I um you start digging more deeper into really learning about the culture with just much more acceptance for example me learning Dutch like initially for the first six months I was really when I moved here I was like what the fuck I'm not going to learn another language why don't they use English blah 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 blah, blah. but once I made Belgian friends I saw the importance of like how it will really help me make my communication better with them I want to really understand them because I found that commonality between us and I was like okay I'm ready to take this next step just because I, they recognize my culture and I recognize their culture. Yeah.
0: I just want to mention this commonality, uh, shaded area that Mahima is talking about. A major part of that was bitching about Americans. Not white people, just bitching about Americans. Their love for small talk, <laughs> their love for French fries, all this. Not French fries, sorry. Whatever. That's also loves French fries. But whatever, like just really hating <laughs> on these uh, yeah, every,
1: every day I would be like, oh, uh, to my colleagues, Belgian colleagues, oh, I'm not going to talk about weather or small talks. And be like, yeah, that's
0: great. Like, you know, they, they would be really, yeah.
1: yeah. I'm like, I'm not one of those, you know, Americans, those people. Yeah. You think so, Fuck them,
0: fuck them yeah. the, the takeaway here is even if you can't find something that you love, find something that you hate. Hate is a very strong emotion to build friendships on, but just uh, continuing our steps after you have recognized that this happens after you've made the Venn diagram of common- commonality. I think month step number three for me is calling out bad behavior. And that is just something as simple as, you know, if you see. Somebody say an ignorant thing, or you know, when your friend told you that you are not a typical Indian, rather than just reclusing yourself and saying, like, nah, it's okay, let me just ignore it, actually educating that person on, hey, like I know you did not mean to offend me, but let me just tell you why I think that this is not the right thing to say. It actually helps them trigger this thought process within their own brains, and then they can do the work. Then it's not your job. Your job is to just, you know like flick the first domino and let them do the work and I think that's a very good indicator to see which people deserve to be your friends also not. Yeah. I don't yeah. mind ignorant white people. I think it's not their fault for the most part that they're ignorant but if they choose to be continuously ignorant then I don't care to be their friend anyway. So call Unwise,
1: out Unlearning is like the, uh, the vibe of 2023. Unlearning.
0: So yeah like even if you feel that something makes you remotely uncomfortable say it, call it out loud like it's like a boond boond se sagar banta hai. humi racism ko khatam mein. <laughs> And number f- four for me is at the end of the day you need to learn how to own your identity. And by that I don't mean owning your Indian identity, owning uh, your sexual identity or your gender identity. Decide that for yourself, your identity is like this you know mosaic board that you can build however you like it to be. But at some point you need to be comfortable in who you are and actually show that in your interactions in your communication with other people for me it's something as small as not walking out of Starbucks till that person gets my name right and trust me I had to be uncomfortable three or four times now it's like not a big deal and I have K you you know and I've noticed that since I started doing that all my professors all my uh, you know uh, colleagues in class they all try to make that effort to say my name correctly they'll ask me am I saying it right please tell me if i'm not saying it right and i think that's such a great way for me to see that they are making that effort towards accepting my identity that's only because i am accepting my identity so figure out what them is yeah
1: i think what just Krithvi said is so important i think maybe owning your identity should be the most critical part before you do anything else you know before being curious or making a venn diagram because if you don't know what you want and what you really are, it's harder to present yourself in front of the other people and set their expectations. There's this phenomena in um, psychology called P- Pygma- Pygmalion Effect. And in that, basically what it talks about is that uh, setting higher expectations lead to higher results. So you, it's, it's like a feedback loop. How If I, for example, expect Krithvi I set my expectations with Kriti that, no, you are a high performer. You are someone who's going to do like, you know, great, blah, 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 blah. Then Kriti herself is much more motivated to really show up and actually do those things. So when you call out people, when you own your identity and when you use all these steps, you are able to really create this effect with people that these are my expectations in terms of um, this interculture uh, inter- uh, relationship that I'm to establish with you. So, yeah, I think it's really really important that you use these to have these effects yeah. and
0: I think just to wrap up uh, there are so many kids that we know are just moving to college there are so many of us that we know who have been in these international countries for so long and still feel uncomfortable and there are so many of us including me myself that face tiny microaggressions on a daily basis and also practice some of them on a daily basis so hopefully this episode just acts as a vehicle for you guys to start talking about these things i want to reiterate this is not meant to offend anyone this is not meant to offend people from any race or community it is purely based on our personal experiences it's purely based on the conversations that we've had around uh with us um, but we think it is it is highly highly important so if you guys are very successful in navigating your interracial relationships. If you have any tips for our uh, other listeners, you know, uh, engage with us, leave some comments below. We would love to hear from you. This is a community empowered podcast and we would like to build it as such. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you so much for sticking around. If you related to any part of this episode or you think someone else would resonate to this, whether it's your sister studying somewhere or it's a friend that you haven't spoken to in a while, please, please, please share our episode. We really really want more people to to benefit from all the important and uh, all you know from all the all important things that we are talking about so please help us grow this podcast uh it's in our nascent stages but we are counting on your support like share subscribe that also okay thank you see you next time okay